Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. I'm Stuart. We're both property people running our own businesses. This podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. This week, we are going to continue our exploration of how you can replace your your salary with property investment. We've previously looked at replacing your salary with a rent-to-rent strategy. That was back in episode 80. And then we had a look at replacing your salary with a, a purchasing strategy focused around HMOs. And that was episode 82. So both those will be linked in the show notes, which are at the, the businessofproperty.com. And this week, Stuart and I are going to try and talk through a far, far simpler strategy, hopefully, which is just plain old vanilla buy to let. I think perhaps even though it's not your, your chosen strategy of, uh, of, sort of primary choice, Stuart, perhaps you could give a, a quick intro as to, to what vanilla buy to let looks like. Yes. And I'll just update in terms of the episodes, you've already referenced the previous episodes, 1882. And we'll probably come back to this, but we, we kind of did get to a stage where HMO, we said you'd need, and this is all based on average prices. We'll caveat everything we say with that, because of course we can't look into every area of the market. But we said we came out with a a summary of around 375k if you were going to invest into HMO, whether that was your money or somebody else's. And rent to rent, we we argued that you'd need about five properties. And of course, the, the money into those was highly dependent on what you did to them. But if you invested, let's say, uh, three to five K, obviously, you're talking about anywhere in the region between 15 to 25k to get to kick off in, in rent to rent. And that doesn't equate for timings because that that is variable but that that's just to cover off those two episodes buy to let vanilla is exactly that and i'm sure most people listening to this will be familiar with buy to let it's simon's primary strategy not mine but it really is simply buying a a house or or property a flat and essentially keeping it as that whereas my strategies may be turning rooms into multi-lets so renting out bedrooms separately vanilla buy to let is if you've got a house or a flat uh, that sort of property, you're just renting it out as it is. So it could be a family, it could be a couple, it could be single, doesn't really matter, but they're just going to buy, uh, sorry, they're just going to rent that property as it stands. So you're you're just going to buy a single property and let it as is. Yeah, you say as is, and that might not always be the case. I think I know what you mean by as is, in so much as you're not going to split the property up, you're not going to do anything fancy or have multiple occupants or, or radically change that property but it is very common with buy to let to do some kind of refurbishment at the beginning yeah so you you won't necessarily leave the property as it is when you purchase it because hopefully you would probably improve it a little bit although i mean you you can do buy to let with new bills for example where of course you you buy it absolutely nothing to do and you just rent it straight out yeah, yeah, that's a it's a great distinction to make though. Actually, I was talking about for want of a phrase that I can't find, but the structure of the properties you're keeping it the same, but ideally for better rates, we would be putting some money into it to make it a better property, unless as you were just moving on to uh, new builds there. Yeah, so I think doing buy to let with new builds is quite difficult, in, if you're looking for decent returns, because you're going to be paying sort of top level for the property itself. So generally, you'd be looking, I think, at a secondhand property, one that you can do a little bit to. So generally, I mean, I'll talk about me. So my approach is 
to buy a secondhand property that needs a little bit of refurbishment. So decoration, almost certainly, possibly a new bathroom or kitchen, but that would be about about the limit. So we're not knocking down walls, we're not changing anything um, structural, as you said, but you're you are doing a, a little bit of improvement. So you're trying to buy a property that's a little bit cheaper than than perhaps it's sort of fully done up market value and spend that that money on on the refurb improve it a bit and then then rent it out and that that's all there is to it really the beauty of it from my point of view is the low ongoing effort that's required so yes you have to put in effort to find a property yes you probably have to put in effort to do the refurb but then once you've done that and you've got a, a you've got a tenant in the property hopefully you can then leave that and if you choose a, a good property, so generally these are sort of slightly bigger properties, so probably a, a three-bed home is sort of the, the, the sort of stable or the most stable buy-to-let you can typically think of. So hopefully you'll get a family in there and they might stay for years. So you don't even have tenant changes very often. So I've had the, the most recent tenants of mine to leave had been living in the property for about two years. However, I've also got a family living in, in one of my properties and they've been there for, oh, I think probably in the region of eight years. So over that time, the maintenance requirement is fix stuff when it breaks, do a, an annual inspection to make sure they haven't destroyed anything or, or done anything terrible or decided to, to knock through a wall or anything scary. Uh, and make sure your, your safety certificates are up to date. So gas, electricity. And and that's kind of it. The rest of it looks after itself. It's, it's very very low effort in an ongoing manner. So you, it's it's as passive as I think you can really get yeah. in the investment. I was going to say it's, it's probably as hands off as you can get without going via a third party company where you are investing into that company and, and literally taking your hands off. So this is this is probably as passive as as you're going to get. Yep, indeed. So shall we talk about some numbers? Yeah, where it gets interesting. <laughs> right. So we are, as you've already said, taking averages. Lots of averaging, lots of assuming, lots of uh, probably not quite right for any anyone in, in real life, but, uh, but hopefully a good indication. So first of all, let's look at what we're we're doing. We're aiming for replacing salary. And the figure we've used for salaries in our other examples has been £30,000 a year, which is around the average UK salary. So if we break that down to, to monthly income, we're looking at about £2,500 a month as, as our target income from, from our property portfolio. In a, in a buy-to-let property portfolio, you have to actually buy the properties. So we're looking at a property price, again, taking an average of £250,000. So when you buy a property, you're going to have to pay some stamp duty on it. You're an investor, so you're going to have a, a second home levy on this. So even during the stamp duty holiday, you've still got some stamp duty to pay. But you'll also be taking advantage of a, of a mortgage. We've, we've done some of the, the calculations. And on a £250,000 property, we think an, an average rent you might get across the country would be £1,000, which is convenient because it's a nice round number. So... Working backwards from that, that means you could 
you should be able to get a mortgage of about 75% loan to value and just about hit a rental cover requirement if you go for a slightly reduced rental cover requirements with a, a five-year fix. That means purchase price 250000 you're going to have to put in a, a deposit of about 66000 and you'll get a mortgage of about 184000 give or take. I've rounded a little bit. The other element that's going to have to go into this, we're assuming this is a second-hand property and it needs a little bit of a refurb. So we've allowed £5,000 for that initial upfront refurb. So that might be redecoration. Maybe it's a new boiler. Maybe it's a new new bathroom or some combination of these sorts of things, but not, nothing too major. So so nothing too expensive, but there's, there's a, a little bit of budget in there in there for that. So taking that all into consideration, this means to buy this property, you're going to have to put in about £79,000 of cash to cover deposit, stamp duty, and initial repairs. So that buys us one house, £1,000 a month in, in rent, a mortgage payment of about £415 a month, we're going to assume monthly expenses. So for a buy to let, the expenses can be very, very low. If you're self-managing and you're lucky with repairs and maintenance type issues, you could be looking at tens of pounds a month as a, a sort of ongoing expense for, for a buy to let. However, we don't think that's super realistic. Generally speaking, you do have some voids now and then between tenancies. You do have maintenance a bit higher than that level. You might also be looking at using a a management agent. So we've actually taken a, an approach of fifteen percent of rent to cover cover sort of all of those expenses as a as a lump. So we're not digging into too much detail on these, but that gives one hundred fifty pounds a month of of general expense allowance, which gives us overall a profit of about. £435 a month. So our, our one single buy-to-let property with lots of averaging will produce £435 a month of, of profit. And we need £2,500 a month of, of income to cover our salary, which means we need six buy-to-let properties. Buying six of them would actually give us slightly over the 2500 but but we're not going to worry about that discrepancy for, for this uh, this experiment. So we've got six buy-to-let properties, £79,000 for each property. That means we need to put in something in the region of £474,000 in order to, to replace our, our salary from, from buy-to-let property. That's quite a lot of money, don't, don't you think, Stuart? It's a it's a tremendous amount of money, isn't it? Almost half a million pounds to replace a thirty k salary. But I suppose, without delving into the areas of which I know nothing in terms of annuities and so forth, to to invest five hundred k for thirty k a year for a foreseeable probably is is pretty good. Yeah. So I mean, we should we should look at the ROI numbers. So this is return on investment, and that that. Those figures give us a, a return on investment of just over six and a half percent. So it's pretty good. It, if it's, it's going to absolutely thrash putting money in the bank, that's for sure. 
you're not going to get a savings account that's anywhere near six and a half percent at the moment. I think the expected long-term returns on stocks and shares is in the region of five to seven percent. Mm. Perhaps correct, correct me if I'm, I'm no. It sounds, rubbish. it sounds about right. I think that's the, the sort of numbers that are, are quoted. It is lower than the ROI we had on the HMO portfolio, and it's worth noting that in our HMO discussions we looked at the possibility of using someone else's money to help build that portfolio. And we took the, the assumption that if you're borrowing someone else's money in, in a private loan scenario, you'd typically be paying around 8% interest on that money. So you can see straight away, 6.5% profit is less than 8% that you'd be paying out on the loan. So you can't use other people's money for, for a buy-to-let investment strategy uh, unless you find some very generous people who are, are willing to, to give you money lower than uh, lower than Stuart and I think that the sort of accepted market rate is now I do have one other spanner to throw into works on this one. Oh no what have I forgotten <laughs> <laughs> well if we based this on the average numbers that we did that we have rather of a property purchase price price of 250,000 and an average rent of a thousand. Now I can hear a lot of people listening to this saying, "Well, if I bought property for two fifty, I'd want more than a thousand pounds." And I'd agree with them, by the way. But we are basing this on averages. If we did that, we actually wouldn't meet the the hurdle rates for the banks because they would take the lending and and use an interest rate currently of five point five percent. So they would take your borrowing which in our, in our case, we're saying you're going to borrow £187,500. And they would take that number, they would take it and times it by 5.5%, which would give us just over £10,000 per year. And then if we take that to a monthly figure, that gives us almost £860 a month. Then what our wonderful banks do, they would apply 145%. Some do 155 but most do 145 So they would say, well, we'll, we'll times that by 145%. And so they would want a rental income of more than £1,246. So our example, <laughs> you wouldn't get borrowing for it. <laughs> ah, I covered this <laughs> with, with a very sneaky little phrase I snuck in early on, where I said we were looking at a five-year fix for a mortgage. Ah, yes. The, the, trick, the trick of doing that is that the stress rate that banks use to calculate the the, the rental cover requirements, the ICR, which is exactly what you've, we've just talked through, is that they can drop that stress rate then from 5.5% down to 4.5%. Yeah. And, and that's where we, can, where, where we can sneak in the extra, extra borrowing. But what we've pulled out is, is a really important point. Oh, definitely. That if you, because most of mine are on two-year fix, because I personally, five years is, for me is too long in terms of, market fluctuations but appreciating that some of us and particularly this strategy given everything that you've talked about i would probably be more open to a five-year fix because it is the 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 hands-off requirement i don't have to think about it provided of course the numbers work so for anyone listening this is a really important point that that, uh, obviously i missed that one element of simon's but if you're not looking at five year though those stress rates do come into play so is something to be considered yeah definitely and i can do a a very quick recalculation 
And as you say, if you take the stress rate to be 5.5 instead of 4.5, then your investment per property is going to suddenly jump because you can only get a 60% loan to value mortgage now. And that means you're going from £79,000 per property up to a, a whacking £112,000 of cash going in per property just because you've got to provide all that extra deposit. Uh, uh, yeah, that's not going to be good news. However, an interesting side effect of that is that it pushes down our mortgage payments mm. because we borrowed less. Our mortgage payments obviously have gone down with that. And it actually therefore pushes up our profit. And it takes it over, just over £500 a month. So we would now only need five of these buy-to-let properties instead of six to replace our, our salary. And, and that, of course, means that it would reduce the amount of time and effort required to find and buy these properties, which is something we haven't really talked about yet. But it, I don't think the time is likely to be very different from, from sort of finding an HMO property and, and getting that. Well, I suppose the, the refurb time is going to be less, but the purchase process time, which is actually sort of most of that time, is going to be very similar. So you're going to be saving time on that because you're only buying five properties instead of six. However, across all of those properties, because you're putting in the extra extra cash, even though you've only got five instead of six, you're putting in £560,000 instead of £474,000. So it's it's a lot more money still. I mean, n- nearly £100,000 extra. And you get one less property out of it. So yeah, it's... It, it makes a big difference whether you're taking that two-year fix or five-year fix when you're when you're investing in in vanilla buy-to-lets, and and I think it's it's beneficial to to take that longer fix. I mean, personally, I'm I'm quite keen on longer fixes just from a risk aversion point of view as well. So yeah, all, all round, I think it the longer fixes work a bit better. And one of the benefits, of course, of shorter fixes is that you can remortgage potentially and pull out increased value from from the properties and of course you are missing out on that yeah as always there are so many variables on each property purchase let alone overall strategies and what our personal inclinations are whether in terms of you know being risk averse or, or or having a high tolerance to risk or a lower tolerance to risk but I think what these episodes have, have done for me personally is I think they've really brought into sort of sharp focus around why strategies are different and what makes one better than the other, depending on where you're at. Because when I, as we go through this process, I start thinking that buy to let, vanilla buy to let is definitely where my head would be for the long term benefits of property versus and this is really simple to say and simplistic to say but is versus the hmo strategy or the rent to rent strategy where we are really are a lot more short-term focused and cash flow focused and it's not that you can't have both because of course you can have buy to lets and good cash flow that is perfectly possible however just having looked through these numbers and even though we are basically on averages etc etc you are looking at potentially bigger sums but the the benefit is you're putting less effort in over the long period and you might have better capital appreciation so again i think this is a really good way of looking at why you might pick one over the other and of course most of us 
employ multiple strategies. So I do have buy to let, although I'm, I'm now starting to sell those, but I do have two vanilla buy to lets in my portfolio, as well as HMOs, as well as rent to rent. So it's not that, that one supersedes the other. It's just these will be the reasons why one one of us might pick one of these at a point in time. If If all of a sudden we are flush with cash and there is a property that looks like a really good solid investment for a long period of time and like Simon's just talked about if you've got tenants that are going to stick around for several years that makes a lot of sense to me and when I hear about the hands-off element I I almost want to weep and think yeah (laughs) that would be a good approach. Yeah talking about the hands-off bit I think a big benefit to the taking the buy to let approach to replacing your salary is that at the end of the the path to replacing your salary you probably don't actually need to replace your salary because you could still do a full-time job and have these five or six buy to let properties running in the background so you can rather than replace your salary you can double your salary whereas in certainly in the rent to rent strategy and i think to some reasonable extent in the hmo one as well you are creating a new job for yourself. You you have to put in a lot more ongoing time to still create that that income. Do you, do you think that's fair, Stuart? Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely fair. And what I also think is something that we say often is that we should always be looking about at, at whatever property strategy we employ as a long-term strategy. And of course, what happens with these, particularly buy-to-let, is when you start holding these properties for five plus years, can't speak, pick a specific number, but let's say five to seven, I, you know, the property value will increase. Historically, that's proven to be true. And therefore, everything gets a little bit easier because your loan to value has now dropped. You're, you're now holding, let's say, a 60% loan to value product versus what was 75 because of the pricing. And then this gives us more flexibility. So it, it isn't just about the, although we're focusing on replacing salary actually what i was thinking about when when you were talking about well you know for example the the property i'm selling that we bought 20 years ago that is now two and a half times the value well that you know we sell that that replaces my salary for my average uk salary you know four times over so that is that is the multifaceted benefit of property and why we love it so much yep so what you're what you're saying is that You've now made enough money on that property that you don't need to work for another four years. Exactly. Yeah, so that's pretty good. Unfortunately, you have to wait 20 years in order to gain four years of of work-free life. (laughs) Well, historically, and and I think this is changing, but historically, you know, the, the, the value of properties doubles every 10 years. So... Again, depending if if you if you took the average and your property value went from two fifty to five hundred in a ten year time period, then yeah, you've done that yeah several several times. You've you've replaced your income seven times in ten years. But uh, and that's why I'm sort of bringing it back around to the longer term approach because I personally fell into the short termist approach of cash flow now, cash flow now, cash flow now, and a lot of effort does go into it as you've just highlighted. And you may get that cash flow, but the the cost of the the time and resource and effort that's gone into creating that cash flow actually m- mitigates the, the profit that's being made from that property. And I'm not going to get into that here, but that's uh, 
yeah that's an that's another conversation for another day but that that is why i think you know the, each strategy needs to be considered before we enter into it because it's essentially you're always going to swap time or money one of those two so if i want to spend less time on it i'm generally going to it's going to cost me more money and that either means employing an agent or it going for a for a lower value loan to value property because i'm going to follow the strategy we've just talked about and so on yeah it's it's all it's all a balancing act isn't it choosing which areas you want to put emphasis on and which areas you want to save in yes it's balancing out time you put in money you put in when you get the benefit out whether it's early on or whether it's long term yeah all all different things to consider and i think your, your your point about ongoing capital growth is super important and and definitely not one to be missed however we will have to save it for another week because we have run out of time so it just remains for me to say thank you to all those of you who are still listening and enjoying these podcasts every week please do make sure you've subscribed on your podcast player of choice to the business of property and you can find show notes and links to things that we've talked about every week at thebusinessofproperty.com and Stuart and I will talk to you again next week. Bye.